Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. So I have a question for you. I'm always full of questions. Who are you? You know, I can't help but think of Alice in Wonderland uh, in the Disney movie, the cartoon, and that caterpillar with the hookah asking Alice this question while blowing smoky designs in her face. No smoke here, but the question remains the same. Who are you? What are you here to do? What's your gift? No, I'm not talking about something you got for a birthday or a holiday if you celebrate those. I'm talking about something that's special about you. Something that you were born with that no one else can do just like you. I'm not talking about talents, but gifts. What's the difference, you ask? Well, that's what today's guest on Planet Noun is discussing in this here episode. Frederick Bussey also wrote a book about it. So let's get right to it with Frederick Bussey. He's a dad, a speaker, an entrepreneur, founder of a marketing and branding consultancy called Icon Status. And his work is helping brands and individuals to convey their stories with more power. Well, I primarily am a business and executive coach now. I help other entrepreneurs to understand how to unlock their potential and potential in their business and to grow and scale, um, either to start a new business or to scale the business that they have. Frederick Bussey, author of the book, Breaking Orbit, Rip Out of the Regular by Unearthing the Power Within, right here on Planet Now. So I'm looking at your book. Um, I have a copy of your book, Breaking Orbit, uh, Rip Out of the Regular by Unearthing the Power Within. It's a book that could serve entrepreneurs well, as well as, you know, someone who's looking for a change and looking to unlock their potential as well. So how long did it take you? I'm guessing that it, you know, you didn't write this book overnight. How long did it take you to write it? I did not write it overnight. Um, I started writing about uh, just over a year ago, back in... August to September of 2018. And it took me about nine months to complete the writing portion. And then for the better part of the summer, we were editing it and uh, just released it in mid-October. In the book, you talk about why. And of course, you reference another book. I think it's The Power of Why. I can't remember the name of the author, but um, you talk about why. Why did you decide uh, to, to write this book? Well, I decided to write the book because I was in the middle of a personal journey myself. I had been transitioning from bus- between businesses. I, was, uh, I left a partnership, a uh, PR consultancy that I was a, a partner in that business for about three years, well, about two, two years. And um, once I left, I thought that I was going to kind of continue in the same path. And then what I realized after I left was that I couldn't do that because the components that made up that business were not the things that was going to make up the business that I was envisioning. But as I started to develop that, I I kind of got lost in trying to figure out, well, how do I grow this business in this particular way? It was was a new path for me. And so I kind of spent the next four, four and a half years kind of searching. And I was kind of in a fog. I didn't feel like I was really being productive, really hitting my mark, hitting my level. Um, I knew that I had more potential, but I, I didn't understand how I was going to be able to unlock that. And so I ended up um, hiring a marketing coach. And through the course of our conversations, um, he told me that I should you know, start looking at uh, different solutions that I could provide to my clients. And so I was still kind of hitting my head against the wall, um, not really understanding what my unique value was. 
And so I sent him a message one day. I said, you know, I just don't feel like I have any solutions. And he said something to me that kind of changed everything for me. He said, God doesn't make people without solutions. Hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so the light bulb went off in my head. And so it just started this whole cascading series of questions about, well, if God doesn't make people without solutions, then what is our solution? And then if we are, are we all uniquely created to have a particular solution? And that kind of led to the whole unlocking of this, this idea about gifts and giftedness. <laughs> and so giftedness is basically the principle of, or the state of having a gift. And right. the book, Breaking Order, discovers and, and un, kind of unpacks what a gift is, what our gifts are for, how we can discover them and how we can master them. And then it talks a little bit about different ways that we can incorporate or unleash that mastery throughout our lives. So let's pause right there, because when you talk about giftedness, and one other thing that you talk about and you, um, you work through in the book is the difference between giftedness and having a talent or having a skill and the importance of distinguishing between, between those things and between a person's value. Well, one of the things that we get wrong about gifts is that we conflate gifts and talents and skills. So when we sit, look at a person and say they're super talented or they're super gifted, we mm -hmm. typically mean the same thing. We typically look at it and say, well, they're special in what they do. But a talent is simply an aptitude. It's the likelihood that you're going to be good at something. Um, but let me back up. When we talk about skills, we talk about the fact that um, somebody is, has a particular, um, they've honed a skill, they've learned a skill. But if you can learn a skill, then it can't be a gift because a gift is something that's given to you. Say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all, we all know that a gift is something that's presented to you through no merit of your own, per se. It's, it's really an indication of the giver's um, fondness for you or their regard for you. Right, so they pick something that they believe that you're going to enjoy, or that's going to bless you, or, or fulfill you in a particular way, because they know you. But it, a skill can't be a gift because a skill can be acquired. Mm -hmm. So we go to school for for skills. We we we, we get degrees and to certify that we are skilled in a particular area. But if those are things that we can acquire ourselves, then they can't be in and of themselves special. So we're not special because we have a skill. Although there are rarer skills, for instance, a brain surgeon is something that's much more rare than a sous cook, right? right. So a sous chef is, is not going to get paid on the same level because what they do isn't as rare. So your skill set may be unique or less common, but it doesn't make you special in and of yourself because it's not something that you can, you can't give yourself your gift, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Even though, well, um, even though you can buy yourself a pair of shoes, gifting, <laughs> giftedness is, is something totally different. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so we don't, because we don't understand that, right? And then so, so moving to talents, right? Or, or uh, some people call it your superpower. But a talent is simply your aptitude that you're going to be, the likelihood that you're going to be good at a particular skill. So, for instance, LeBron James is 6'9", 250, 260. He's super fast, can jump super high. The likelihood that he's going to be good at basketball is pretty high. Mm -hmm. The likelihood that I'm going to be as good as LeBron James is not. 
I mean, I'm 5'11", I'm 175, 180. So I would have to be far more skilled in a particular way to be able to have the same type of impact or greater than LeBron would have. I'm just not likely to do that because I'm not as talented as he is. But again, a talent is still more, uh, it's more a happy accident of genetics, right? Uh, okay. So LeBron's size or his talent level still um, applies, it's still more results of the fact that his mother and his father had the genetics to create him in that particular way. But your talents are still um, like frosting on the cake, so to speak. They are features on the overall, are your features on your gift, I guess you could say. So they help to enhance your gift. They help to um, differentiate it in certain ways, but it's not your gift. So when you talk about what a gift is and somebody being gifted, then we have to start understanding the, the differentiation that we need to make between these different, these different titles, skills and gifts and talents. Why is it important for, for people to like understand to their core that a talent is not a gift? I know I've, I've, uh, I've heard people through the years talk about you know, how another person has so many talents, they have so many gifts, you know, mm-hmm. completing the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they talk about themselves, they say, oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I'm not really talented. Oh, I don't have any gifts. But in this book, you contradict that 100%. You say every person has a gift. Absolutely. Everyone has a gift. For, for many reasons. One, we don't understand what creativity is either. Um, I, I talk about that. There's an entire chapter in the book called Breaking Creativity. And it kind of opens up the idea of what being creative is. To so go back a little bit, in the book I talk about the fact that, and, and it's, it's not a religious book you know, at all. The book was really meant to talk to entrepreneurs and people who want to build things, organizations or companies or products or whatever that have a high impact in the world. Mm-hmm. But as I wrote the book, I realized that there's got to be an origin to the gift. And as I've done business and executive coaching, you come to realize that there's a powerful spiritual element to everything that we do. The reason for that is because it comes from a creative place. You are basically building something from nothing. You're, you're, you're creating it out of thin air. And it was once an idea and it turns into a product or a service or a business. And then that business takes on a life of its own because you have people that come and work for you because you put this impact out there into the world and it has real life implications. And so you are creating something from nothing. And so if you talk about creation and the, the element of what that is, then you start to understand that a gift has been given to us by a creator. And in my case, I call that God. Mm-hmm. Um, my relationship with God, understanding who he is, has really changed because you know, through the process of writing this book and understanding what, what that really means. So if you accept the fact that God created each and every one of us, then you have to accept the fact that he created a gift inside of us. And if he created us in his image, as it says in the Bible. You know, and that's coming from a Christian perspective. That's coming from a Christian perspective. And, and there are other, there are other um, religions that I reference in another one of the chapters in the book that kind of talks about the fact that there is an origin. Every, every religion or believer of some religion has an origin story. Right. So if you have that origin story, then you have to believe that there's somewhere there is something that gives you your spiritual identity. But from a Christian perspective, um, particularly, there is a belief that God created every individual 
and every individual has a specific gift um, and a purpose. And so as you are discovering that, discovering that gift and the power of that gift, you realize that the gift was given to you as a reflection of God himself. The, the Christian perspective says that we were created in his image. If we are created in his image, that means that we are like him, creators. And if you look at human beings, that is exactly what we are, that is exactly what we do. And we are born that way. We are born as children seeking ways to make things, right? Right, because every, everywhere you look, whether it's a bottle that holds water that I'm looking mm -hmm. at right now, the microphone that I'm speaking through, the windscreen. Right, right. 500 years ago, these things did not exist <laughs> in their exist. current form. Exactly, exactly. And whether you're somebody who first um, learned to cut their hands together to speak as a megaphone or to roll up a piece of paper or then take that idea and turn it into a megaphone and then somebody else who decided, well, I'm going to take this and turn it into a microphone. And every, every evolution of creativity is built upon another element of creativity. And so what we do is we take the world and its form or the things that are in the world and we decide to make other things from them. Or we say this thing does not exist, but it should exist. And so we create it. Just as the, the origin story of Christianity says that God looked around and said, the earth is void. I'm going to create something that's a masterpiece. And I'm going to create a being or a, a species of beings that are a direct reflection of who I am and what I am. And that's the greatest tragedy of of our human existence is that most people, 99% of the people in this world, don't think there's anything special about them. And they are not taught how to create, how to discover that gift inside of themselves so that they can be the ultimate version of themselves. There's a question. You go into schools and I'm looking at your bio, you go into schools and you, you know, you do presentations and things like that. Working in news um, as my day job, I, Sometimes the stories that we hear and the stories that we have to report and in turn the stories that our audience listens to. Sometimes I wonder if someone, I'm sure you probably heard about the stabbing at a Popeye's here in the D.C. area. Someone kept cutting in line and then it led to an altercation and one of the people in the Popeye's ended up dead and it escalated quickly. I'm not saying I know anything about the people who were involved in that situation at all, but it led me to think or wonder this, especially when, when reading through your book. What could be some symptoms? When I think of people who like, would be quick to pick up a gun or quick to pick up a knife or quick to snuff out someone's life for, we're not even talking, you know, I don't know all the particulars of that case, but in cases where it's, just, it's nothing to do with self-defense, but you're just quick to pick up a weapon and slay someone. Could that be just one of the many, many indicators that someone has not found their gift? Because I can't help but think if, you, if a person knows their gift, they would operate in such a way that they know their gift and that, so they could accomplish whatever that, the purpose of that gift would be. And slaying someone would not be, my guess is probably would not be part of that. You're, you're dead on. There's no way that somebody can not discover and understand that they have a gift and not start to see, every, see the world in a way where everyone has a gift. 
the very concept of giftedness itself means you have to accept that everyone has one. And if so, that means that everyone's a direct reflection of God himself. It doesn't mean that they are going to always act that way. Mm-hmm. But what it does is you start to see yourself as a, a instrument in service to other people. Absolutely. So that even when you're in line in Popeye's or you're in traffic or you're at the DMV or you are in some way being stressed in this world, mm-hmm. you start to understand that you have agency, right? One of the biggest problems that, that people have is that we are all taught that we are powerless in some way. Society continuously gives us these messages that we are under someone else's control, mm-hmm. and that we don't have control over our decisions, over our movements in the world, over, our, over, over the life that we have itself. So the type of life that we have is, is narrowly constricted based on these set of choices that we have to make. Go to college or not go to college. Get a good job or, or take this job. Marry the person that you fall in love with, but you hope somebody falls in love with you. So there's a lot of luck, quote unquote, that seems to be happening or the powers that be, as people tend to say. When you live that way, when you feel that you're powerless and you're given all these messages that we are fundamentally broken, which means that we all think there's something wrong with us, you know, in essence. We, parents, our parents will ask us that, especially if you're an African-American kid, you end up, you know, boy, what's wrong with you? Why you yeah, yeah. And so we start to ask ourselves that question. What's wrong with me? Why don't I get the things that I want? Why am I not living the life that I want to live? I was asking myself these questions. Mm-hmm. Like, what's wrong with me? And it wasn't that there was anything particularly wrong with me, but it was just there was a, a glitch in my thinking. I, just like everyone else, was programmed to have this glitch in my thinking, to think that I need something outside of myself to be a better version of myself. Instead of tapping into what's the greatness that's inside of myself, which was already created there, in order to become more and more of that best version of myself, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, yeah. So, But, but we weren't taught that <laughs> growing up. No, no. We were, we're not, not taught that. Even, so, so even the chapter that I have, uh, the last chapter in the book, well, the next to the last chapter, it talks about breaking, it's called Breaking Religion. And it talks about the idea that we are fundamentally taught by religion that there is something wrong with us and that God was sent to save us because we were so broken that without him, we we wouldn't be able to survive. And that's inaccurate because why would a God who is a deity, ruler of the universe, become human to die for something that's not worth it. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't come and sacrifice his life because we're not worth it. He did it because we are. Now, whether or not you're religious or not, understanding that concept, understanding the concept that we are told that we're broken, when in fact we are um, a divine reflection of God or the creator himself, is a fundamental shift in how you see the world. Because if you're a reflection of the ultimate creator, that means that you have the ability to create just as he does. Mm-hmm. If you have that ability to create, that means that there is no situation, there is no circumstance, there is no interaction or relationship that you don't have agency over. So that's a shift from saying, well, 
I just have to take it as it comes. It is what it is. No, it isn't what it is. It is what you created to be. Mm-hmm. You have the power of that creativity, which is more than coloring on a paper or <laughs> painting on a wall. Nothing wrong with that. I love coloring. I have adult coloring books <laughs> with my pencils. All right, all right. And <laughs> but it's, it's more than that. It's more than that. I'm looking at one, uh, one paragraph in that chapter. You're not saying, and this is a quote from your book, I'm not saying that religion is itself wrong. But the problem with most religions is that they require people to accept that they're, like you're saying, the worst versions, the worst version of themselves, themselves as a precursor for convincing people to subscribe. So basically, I'm not going to curse, but you ain't blank and you ain't ever going to be blank. That's essentially, the, religions don't say that, but that's kind of the message that you get. You ain't blank, but if you subscribe to this, then, you know, maybe you can be blank, but you're, you're saying... <laughs> This just sounds so weird in a conversation about religion, but you're saying, <laughs> you're saying it's already, it's already in us. God, God already put that value in us. And it's yes. just up to us to part of, part of what we need to do is just realize it and accept it. Acceptance is uh, one of the nine keys and in the book. I have the nine keys to discovering your gift and acceptance is the first one. You have to believe that it's really true that you have a gift. And that part is hard because, like you said, you're not taught that. And there are so many other stories that we create in our heads about why we're broken. And so we reinforce those stories every time we have a failure or a disappointment or something along those lines. Every time we're rejected, every time a parent leaves us or um, we have a breakup or we get fired from a job, we, have, we reinforce that narrative in our heads that says, well, I'm messed up. And this happened to me because I'm broken, because I'm screwed up, because, you know, I ain't blank. The fact of the matter is that that's not true. These things happen because they happen. You know, there are, there are random occurrences, but most people don't live their lives with high intentionality. Mm-hmm. So we think that there are a few key decisions that we make instead of understanding that I have the ability to craft the life that I want every minute of every single day. And that the ability to be successful at those things is not only about the intentionality, but it's inherent in my identity. My gift is my identity. My gift is my ability to create that. Why is that? Why do I have that gift? Why do I have the ability? Because I was created in the, in the image of the creator, of the ultimate creator. Mm-hmm. And my life is supposed to be a continuous journey of expansion, continuous journey of creativity a continuous journey of impact and influence. And when you are living in that way, when you see the world that way, and you see everyone around you with that potential, it changes everything. It's more than positive thinking. It's more than, you know, mindset is key type talking. It's an actual paradigm shift that allows you to see more than your potential, but your power in each and every moment of your life. Wow. And so when, um, when you take those moments... Mm-hmm. of life and some things I know I, I'm of the belief that you know certain things just happen and they are just not good and they really suck and they make you feel awful but I'm still working through a way to mesh that with well everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. so some stuff just happens but then everything happens for a reason they don't seem to mesh but then again they do I don't know if I'm making sense at all but mm-hmm. how, how can a person take those things that just happen and, and use that to fuel their, 
search for meaning or finding, you know, finding their gift, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think one of the things that I struggled with when I first started writing the book was how do I, and I was scared at this point, because I knew that I had to tell people how to discover the gift. And I was like, I don't know if that's possible. How do I tell 8 billion different people? Because there can't be 8 billion different ways to discover this. Um, how does a person reconcile, like you said, the randomness of life or the apparent randomness of life with a purposefulness with which we live? How do we create meaning out of things that seem to be meaningless? And so one of the things that I discovered through the writing of the book was that we are searching for meaning outside of ourselves when the meaning to life is actually within ourselves. I liken it to a drill, right? A drill is a tool that was created with a particular purpose in life. Now, if you're going to build a skyscraper, you need a drill. Now, the drill has a particular impact that it's supposed to have. It screws or unscrews things. It creates tiny holes that are meant to put screws or studs or something in, right? A drill is not a hammer because a hammer has an entirely different purpose. Mm -hmm. You need hammers and you need drills. You need screws and you need rivets, you need beams, you need all these things to construct this skyscraper. What you need for the foundation is different from what you will need at the, at the penthouse, hmm. right? And so all those different things are connected into this structure, but they, if you take them individually, they don't seem connected necessarily. And so when everything works in its particular function, in its particular place, then it helps to construct this structure that makes sense. It's sturdy, it's strong, it's, um, and it's powerful in its own purpose, right? The structure of the skyscraper has its own purpose. It houses people, it creates space for business or commerce or residence or whatever the case may be. So this is a long-winded answer, but I'm, I'm oh, getting no, to good. the point. Okay. Mm -hmm. But imagine if the drill thought it was a hammer and the hammer thought it was a drill. Mm -hmm. or, or more precisely, yeah, think if you had a sledgehammer and a drill. Now, a drill and a sledgehammer can perform the same function. A drill can create a hole and a sledgehammer can create a hole. Mm -hmm. But the purpose for those holes is completely different. Mm -hmm. And the way and the impact <laughs> is different too. <laughs> exactly. What happens is if a drill is jealous of a sledgehammer, a drill says, I see all, I see that big hole he's making. I'm just making these tiny little neat little holes over here, but I want to tear through walls like a sledgehammer does. And a drill could theoretically create a hole, but who's going to get more damage? The hole, the wall or the drill? Hmm. Oh, the drill trying to be the sledgehammer? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It might and not so, be meant to drill through that, that wall. <laughs> and that's what we get. We have people that are going through life as drills trying to be sledgehammers. And sledgehammers trying to be drills. So life feels meaningless because we are not performing the function that we were meant to perform. The definition of a gift in the book is what I took from uh, Dr. Miles Monroe. Mm -hmm. He says that a gift is your capacity to perform a particular function in a particular way. So everyone doesn't have the same capacity, but that does not mean that they're not valuable. No, no. It just means that you're, you are designed with a certain capacity. And when you are acting in accordance with your design, you're going to have the impact that you were designed to have. So just like if I was using a, a drill to be a doorstop, right? A doorstop, you know, we have wedges that, that we use as doorstops. And that's all it's meant to do. A drill could hold a door open, theoretically. 
But in that case, it's useless because it's not performing the function for which it was designed to perform. It's not creating the impact it was designed to have. Right. And not opening doors very well either. In my imagination, I just imagine the door sliding almost shut. <laughs> right. So, so, so correlate that to a person, right? You mm-hmm. are sitting here trying to be a doorstop and you're not weighted. You're not designed to hold that door open. And there are people in the world who are designed to be doorstops. They are designed to hold doors open for people, so other people. And they perform that, for function, that function to perfection. Mm-hmm. But you as a drill are doing that. And you're wondering why, what's wrong with me? Why am I a failure? I can't do what I want to do. I can't do what I, you know, and I can't do it the way that this other person can do it. And so you see yourself constantly in comparison to other people who are designed differently from you. And yet we are taught that there are certain people that have this gift and we're supposed to emulate them. Mm-hmm. Instead of understanding that those people who are successful in some way have tapped into their gift, even if they haven't necessarily understood it or define it in that way. They know that there's something unique about them and they, they walk in that uniqueness in ways that other people do not. And so we spend a lot of time idolizing people who have a certain level of success. We even emulate the things that they've done, but not understand that they have created that success because they have performed their function at maximum capacity. And you can never perform a function at maximum capacity that you were not designed to perform. Hmm. You might want to repeat that again. (laughs) (laughs) You can, never, you can never perform a function at a capacity that you were not designed to perform it. A sledgehammer can't be a drill. A drill can't be a sledgehammer. A screwdriver can't be, you know, in the book there, I, I, I outline the three laws of giftedness. And if you focus on these things and understand them, you will understand giftedness in its totality, right? And that's the basis for everything. The first law is that everyone is created with a gift. Second law is that every gift has a purpose. And the third law, to me, which is the one that is the most important, it is that no gift can fail in the performance of the function that was created to perform. In other words, birds always fly, water always flows, wind always blows. Anything that was created in nature to perform a specific function always performs that function. It doesn't fail. And so human beings are the, are the one creation that has somehow gotten it twisted. And so we try to perform functions or to live out other people's gifts that we were not created or designed to perform. Mm-hmm. And so that creates the frustration in us. That creates the, the, the narrative that we're broken in us because we, we don't understand what we were designed to do masterfully. Sometimes I wonder if people have, if sometimes I wonder if people have a crush on the attention (laughs) that other people get Mm -hmm. being in the limelight, finding the limelight, whether they seek it out intentionally or the limelight just finds them. Sometimes do we have a crush on the attention that other people get? And we think if we don't get that same attention that we can't be successful sometimes. I wonder if that is the case because it's not necessarily about the attention. It's, it's about whether or not we're functioning in the capacity that we're supposed to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love the way you put that. <laughs> and the reason, the reason for that is we, we idolize it or we, we objectify it. Mm-hmm. We, and, and you see this with, especially in social media, 
I think it's very prominent now. But there's a lot of comparison shopping. Hmm. So we having crushes at, and comparison shopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we look at what somebody else does in a field or arena where we want to be, right? We're at a level where we want to be. Say that, you know, you're in journalism. And so say that you were looking at a, another journalist at another radio station and you're saying, man, they've got, you know, 100,000 followers and they get X amount of likes on every post and they've got so many downloads in their podcast. And what happens is we start comparing ourselves to them and we create this, this deficit in our minds about who we are mm-hmm. based on where other people are. Instead of recognizing that I have a particular gift and that my gift will make room for me where I am. Yes, that um, is the truth. And I honestly, I had to, I've been through that struggle with this podcast as well. And then I got to the point where I believe in God and I believe I am reaching whoever it is I need to reach mm-hmm. by talking to, to guests. I'm helping them reach whoever it is they need to reach as well. Yes. So we all go through that. The thing that people tend to forget is that everybody starts from zero, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody jumps on Instagram with a hundred thousand followers. <laughs> It may happen very quickly, but it's only because they've already done certain work and they've, they've planted certain seeds in other platforms or other arenas to allow that growth to happen more quickly. Right. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that, that, that is crucial, and this is one of the things that, that the book really talks about, and I, I hope that it comes across powerfully, is that we mistake effort for impact. So okay. we think that because we're working really, really hard at something, that we're supposed to get this, this tremendous result. The fact of the matter is that you are already designed with a gift to create a tremendous impact effortlessly. One of the key indicators that you're not walking in your gift is if you are struggling to create impact. That doesn't mean it is widespread impact, but if one-on-one you're doing something and it's not even affecting people in, the, in, in that one-on-one space, Mm-hmm. and you're working really, really hard to do it. It doesn't, mean that, it doesn't mean that what you do doesn't require effort. It's just not going to feel like effort. So let me put it again in terms of the drill, right? Mm-hmm. A drill, when it, if, if, if I use my finger to try and drill a hole, it's going to require Poor a finger. <laughs> right. I'm more I like hope you have good insurance because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm fracturing knuckles and everything. But a drill, although it will um, encounter friction initially, will pretty effortlessly create that hole. And so that's why it's not hard for birds to fly. They're designed to do that, right? It's not hard for fish to swim. We look at things in their natural habitat and say, oh, that's what they do. And then we ourselves go out and try to go into other, other habitats other than our natural habitat. And when I say natural habitat, I don't mean that you shouldn't start a business in an arena where you don't know something. But you need to understand your gift so that it will allow you to have an impact in a unique way. So that people will be looking at you and say, how did he create a business? Or how did she create a business in this industry? They knew nothing about it. But they, were, but they had a particular understanding of who they were and how they can create that impact. Uh, whether it's perspective or a new take on an old idea or simply their ability to, to, to create, to, to build a team that is uniquely positioned to do something that other people simply weren't able to do. So, so to that point, we have that ability in and of ourselves to always be able to create a place for ourselves simply because we have that gift inside of us. 
And some of those gifts that you talk about are uh, the three types of gifts. You talk about three types of gifts. People, everyone is not meant to be the sledgehammer, which I equate to like a disruptor, like a Steve Jobs type person who I do all of my work whenever I'm reporting. I do all my work from an iPhone. Who knew it? (laughs) iPhone and apps. I send my stories in, I record, I edit, I do everything on the phone. Who knew? Everyone does not have, that's not everyone's gift to be that type of disruptor or transformer. Um, It's uh, the three T's, transformers, translators, and transistors. And talk talk about that. And, And even in talking about this, Folks, there is just so much. This book is dense. There's so much in it. And even what we're talking about is just skimming the surface. So uh, talk about transformers, translators, and transistors. This was something that was also um, very interesting when I was in the process of discovery through this book. Understanding how, how our gifts are categorized. To be honest with you, I think that in some way we all perform a little bit of this function but our gifts are primarily um, centered in a particular way. So a transformer is somebody who can create something out of nothing or he's able, he or she is able to take something in one form and turn it into another. Think of an, an, uh, a carpenter or an architect. Um, a lot of people might think of that as an artist, but <clears throat> here's the, the, I'm gonna get hip hop on you for a second. Here's the dope, <laughs> here's the dope thing about it is that your category of gift is not about your occupation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we think somebody is gifted as a lawyer. Well, being an attorney is simply a way that they express their gift. I'll give you an example. Let let me actually, let me go through the list of the different categories and then I'll I'll explain how that works. Okay. So a transformer is somebody who, again, takes something, makes something out of nothing or takes it from one form and turns it to another. A translator is somebody who, can translate meaning in the world, uh, whether it's through an idea or um, an event or, or, or whatever the case may be. They simply translate meaning. Um, that's their core gift. And transistors are people who are simply through their being, they enhance whatever is around them, whether um, you might think of them as a light for the party. Um, when they come in the door, everything changes. They have an uh, I would say the gift is not about their energy, their ability to energize and to transform uh, anything simply by being there. A transistor in um, electricity is a component that allows the electricity to be conducted mm-hmm. to different places. And so without the transistor in, in, your, um, in your component, you're not able to get that electricity to all the parts. You know, they're, they're able to amplify the magnitude of that electricity. So they, they create a, a higher wattage, if you will, of power. And so that's what people who are transistors do. They're able to take something that is maybe at a five, and they turn it up to a 10 or a 15, simply by being in the midst of that situation. So let's take, for instance, let's take an attorney, uh, for example. You might have an attorney who, who is, their core gift is being a transformed, which means that they can look at the law and they can turn it into a means of business or commerce. They can turn it into revenue for another business. So you would hire this attorney because you could come to them and say, I, they look at the law and they say, here's an opportunity for you to take this, exploit this loophole, or you can, you can use these boundaries or guidelines to create a, a guardrail or a moat around your business and allow you to grow exponentially. The same attorney who is a translator 
um, could be end up being a judge because they're able to interpret the meaning of the law and to and to apply it so that it's just for everybody. Or they could be a legislator and they could create laws that um, that are able to um, affect people in different ways, or they're able to strike down certain laws that are unjust. And for a transistor, you have somebody, in, you have these people that, that are known, uh, for instance, in the Senate or the legislature. These are people who are able to help make deals happen because simply by being there, they're able to build relationships between two different factions. They're able to combine people and bring them together. A lot of politicians have this element um, because at the core, it's not that they're more brilliant, it's not that they are more skilled in any particular area, of politics, but they are simply able to connect um, and to, to, to empower others to be better simply by being um, an advocate for them, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. What needed in Washington right now? More transistors? Amen. Okay. <laughs> That's my now, two seconds on that. <laughs> now, now, I want to, yeah, uh, to, to speak on that point, there are also... Here's an, well, here's an interesting thing, and I, I had this conversation with someone else I was writing the book, and that's, that's how it kind of um, became more fleshed out in it, is that your gift is something that's given to you. It's always in you. You can, um, as a cartoon, you can use the, you choose to use your powers for good or for evil, but your gift is always in you, and God doesn't take away your gift. It's up to you how you use it. Your gift is for you. It's also not what we were taught. We were taught if we don't use our gifts, we would lose them. Right. It's not, it's not true. I mean, why would God give you something that is meant to reflect him and give him uh, glory that is meant to fulfill and sustain your life? It, the fact of the matter is that we have them for our entire lives. It's just that just like a gift that you give someone that they never discovered, sometimes it just sits there on the shelf and just gathers dust. And so um, I've spoken to, you know, older individuals and a lot of people feel like their lives have just passed them by. You know, they learn to live with certain regrets and things because they feel like, well, my time has passed. You know, I'm, I'm old now. I, you know, I can't do what I used to do. But remember, your gift is not about an occupation. It's not about a thing that you do per se. The things that you do are simply reflections or expressions of your gift. And so as long as you understand that your gift and you have that capacity and that power, you can always use your gift. You can, human beings have no limitation on their ability to get to master a gift. So you can continue to get better and better and better at it, even if you only started when you were 65. Yeah, because I've, you know, I've been having thoughts like that myself. Because now we're officially middle-aged, younger middle-aged, but still... In that midpoint. Speak for yourself, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. If you're 21, then I'm 21 too. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so when it comes to breaking our own orbit, getting out of that pattern, that coasting, just going around and around, what was that like for you? What did it take for you to break your own orbit? Did you have to break through what uh, things other people told you about yourself, your own self-talk, um, what, say, religious traditions told you about yourself and how you should behave and maneuver in the world and think about yourself? Yes. What, was, what was that like for you? Well, the answer is yes to all of the above. It was absolutely a, a transformational process. There's a lot of negative self-talk that we all have to deal with. 
again, like I said, we all have stories that we tell ourselves from the time that we were young um, in terms of who we are, um, the idea that we're broken, et cetera. And so there were certain things that I did have to reckon with. Once I could accept the concept of giftedness, then it was transformational because slowly but surely it started to break away in every particular area. Um, one of the things that for me was transformational was around the same time I started writing a book, I started to meditate. Initially, it was difficult. There was challenges involved with it because I felt like I wasn't doing it correctly, right? My mind would wander, et cetera. And I'd always been taught that, you know, meditation is dangerous. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just to, we were raised in the same religious tradition, just to yes. put that out there. Okay. Right. We were, we were. So I, I know you know what I'm talking about. And so the idea that, that you're sitting there um, doing nothing or thinking nothing is dangerous because, you know, an idle mind is a devil's workshop and, you know, the devil's going to come in and give you all these ideas or, or whatever it is. And then there's just the, the, the process of, of being distracted consistently being distracted by your own thoughts. But the key thing that I learned from meditation is that meditation is simply the practice of learning to be present in the moment without judgment. And that's one of the hardest things that we have to do is to accept that we do things and that things happen, but there doesn't have to be a judgment, quote unquote, about it. And social media has amplified this in a way because what happens for us is that we, we are groomed to be in judgment of others all the time. Like, like, whether it's like, dislike, putting an angry face, it's, oh my gosh. Okay, yes. keep preaching, pastor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not a pastor, but go ahead. <laughs> we'll turn to your Bibles and the book of Facebook. <laughs> and in the book of Facebook, you will see that you're exactly right. I mean, that, that's what we do. We, we we're liking things, we, we have a particular emoji. You know, now it's not just do you like something, do you love it, right? Um, do you comment on it, what do you, what do you say about it? Now you can, you have all these different elements or different levels of judgment that you can give, but it requires you to have an opinion on everything. When in reality, the thing that you learn from meditation and how it's connected to your gift is that you don't have to be in judgment of things that, that are outside of you. And you don't have to be in judgment of yourself for who or what you are, because that's not your job. Your job is not to be in judgment, and judgment is counterproductive. So for instance, what would happen is, when I first started meditating, I would, my thoughts would drift off, and I'd be like, oh man, I'm messing up, I'm not doing it right. And so I punished my, right, I'm judging <laughs> myself. And I would inherently want to punish myself with the story that you can't focus on nothing. You can't, you know, you can't do this right. You gotta learn, you're not disciplined enough. This whole idea of some people are more disciplined than others, some people are more special than others, some people are better at doing certain things than others. I'm not good at this. I must something must be wrong with me. When you start to realize that, you no, know, the idea is just to be present, right? So I'm here. And so you start to notice thoughts, and you start to notice sensations, and you notice that your mind is wandering. You notice the process of your mind, you notice the process of your mind operating if you will. It's almost as if you're driving down the street and you hear your engine and it's humming. Mm -hmm. And you typically, you know, um, you might say, oh, is, it, is it driving well or not? If you hear a knock or some of the noise, you try to evaluate what that is. 
Well, we're kind of trying to do that ourselves with our own minds. So, but what we do is we do it negatively. We say that it's not operating right, or it's not doing what it wants to do. My mind is wandering. Well, minds are creative. In other words, you know, an idea will come to you, just like all ideas or thoughts come to you, right? You generate those thoughts, but sometimes they're just generated, you know? It's an idea for a story and you either accept it or reject it. You know, and sometimes what we do is we follow these stories down these paths because we believe that these paths are more realistic or they, more, they identify more with us mm-hmm. as we see ourselves. So when it came for me, being transformational, the idea of transforming and becoming something different through this process of giftedness was really the idea that I don't have to judge myself for being myself because I'm already enough. I'm already powerful. I'm already creative. I'm, I'm already what I'm supposed to be. I can only become more of that. And I can only become more powerful, more creative, more like God, more like my creator, or less. And that choice is up to me. And if that choice is up to me, I have the power to create the life that I want. So do you, and so does everyone else. But existing in judgment, existing in punishing myself because I'm not, quote unquote, doing the right thing or living the right way or being more successful or being more accepted by other people is in and of itself a faulty mindset and a faulty way of thinking. And so we can correct that faulty way of thinking because it's not a fault within us. It's just a faulty mindset. It's just a, the thinking is a, a, just like any other thought. It's a thought that we it occurs and we choose to accept it because we don't know better. It's a glitch in our software, in, in the software. Glitch in the software, but not a glitch in the design of our person. Right. That's so fundamentally key because we believe that we are designed faultily, right? Like we were created and that it doesn't, first of all, if you're a Christian, it doesn't even make sense because how can a perfect God create an imperfect thing? If God, when he created man, said it's good. Everything in the world, when he finished creating it, he said, that's good. As in, it's perfect. It's done. So a perfect God created things perfectly, but then when it came to us, we're imperfect. And we believe that lie about ourselves. We believe that because we don't know that the core of our existence, the core of our identity is this divine, powerful, infinite capacity to fulfill this function in a way that's going to impact the universe. And it's always going to reflect the glory of that creator. And as long as we understand that, then it shifts everything for us. And that's what it did for me. It just, it changed everything for me once I could understand and accept, I can do this. And, and mind you, I wrote the book on it and it's still a challenge, you know, but it, it gives me a, a home base to return to, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm able to say, when these thoughts occur, I don't have to follow that reasoning because no, wait a minute, I can do, I can make a different choice. I can create a different outcome if I want to, because I was created with that capacity to do that. Understanding my core capacity, whether I'm a translator, a transformer, or a transistor, understanding my core capacity, the type of gift that I have, will allow me, and just walking in that that gift, will allow me to create that outcome in the way that I was designed to create, right? So it's, it's, it's no different than a Ferrari trying to be a tractor and wondering why it can't, you know, plow the fields. 
<laughs> you babe, boo, you were not meant to plow. <laughs> you were just meant to be fast. <laughs> you were, right? The same as a, a tractor trying to drive uh, the Indianapolis 500. You know, you're not designed for that, for that effect. And so the thing that I want the book to get across, and I hope that people get from this, is that you have a particular power already within you. Once you tap into that power, there's no such thing as failure, right? You're only gonna get better at doing what you were designed to do. That doesn't mean that you're gonna be successful at everything that you do, but there's no way that you're ultimately gonna fail if you're doing what you were designed to do, if you are walking in your gift. As you master your gift, and, and mastery <clears throat> is simply the process of using it because it's just a journey. Once you discover it and you learn to use it, then you continue to walk in it over and over and over. I mean, there's nothing that we do that the more we do it, we're going to get worse. Wow. Especially this... if that's things you were designed to do. Right. Absolutely. And on page 35, uh, you wrote, I was created with a gift. My gift is meant to be used. Mm -hmm. Using it makes me successful. End of story. Or rather, so the new story begins. <laughs> yes. It's just about what you believe about yourself. You know, you have to believe that you are created specially and uniquely. And um, acceptance is the hardest part, you know, because again, we're not, we're not taught how to discover this. We're not taught to think this way. And it's unfortunate, but hopefully, you know, this can begin the, the movement of, of people beginning to accept their power and, and, and understand that it comes from a particular place, that there's a source of that power and that source was, gave that power to them for a reason. And that you can, you, can, you can realize your purpose, the meaning in your life, everything. You can find fulfillment in simply being who you were created to be already. You don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to do what other people are doing for reasons that are outside of yourself. You can simply be what you were meant to be. Thanks for listening to Planet Now, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. So you've been listening to Frederick Bussey, speaker and entrepreneur. He's also author of the book, Breaking Orbit, Rip Out of the Regular by Unearthing the Power Within. You can read more about him at planetnow.com. You'll find links to all his social media handles and also a link to the book. I'm Liz Anderson, host of the Planet Now podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also on SoundCloud. And please stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. Thanks again for stopping by. And until next time, take care.